Please turn in his awesome word to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 1 through 6. This is the inerrant word of God. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do rejoice that we can hear and read and learn from your precious word this morning together. And we bow before you as our king, and we ask that you would grant us wisdom to understand and then to apply your word, which is our life, and thus grow in our love for you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Give us teachable hearts, ready to apply your precious word. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I'm not sure how many of you know the official name of the uh, Duff Family Homeschool. You probably don't know that. And if you're doing Rule 13, as, you, as maybe most of you are, uh, you have to fill that form out every year in Nebraska. And at the top, it says you have to put a name. You have to have a name there because you are recognized as a private school. <clears throat> so... When we came back from Japan, we realized, well, okay, we've got to give ourselves a name. And uh, we chose this passage, actually uh, parts of this passage, verses 4 through 6. And uh, so every morning we would uh, teach it to the kids. They had to memorize it. Uh, it was the first thing we said when uh, we began school. And you can ask them today if you want to. Well, no, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, uh, but the, the kids c- can repeat it. And so it became the basis of the name of our home school. So we ended up calling ourselves the Wise Guys Homeschool. (laughs) And we like that name. It has several meanings, obviously. Uh, Because this passage really is all about wisdom and the pursuit of the wisdom that pleases the Lord. And uh, we've been putting that on our forms for many years now. Uh, We started 25 years ago in Japan in home education uh, with Josh mostly and a little bit Emily and not so much Jenny. And then when we came back in 92, we started putting that on our forms. Now, in pursuing biblical wisdom, we are pursuing Jesus Christ. And that is what we wanted our children's education to be about, pursuing him. And we wanted them to grow in wisdom, of course, which meant that they would be seeking the Lord. And in pursuing Jesus Christ, they would be increasing in wisdom. And uh, that's the wisdom which is from above, according to James 3.17. And by the way, we also, uh, in our first business, we used this passage, uh, a phrase from this passage, to name our first business. So our first home business was called Hidden Treasures. And uh, it turns out that our treasures were so hidden that not many bought anything from us. (laughs) But it was still a good name. It was still an appropriate name because we wanted our children to grow in wisdom. Now this passage in Proverbs 2 was written by Solomon, and it was revealed to him to give to his sons and to those around his sons and to us uh, to grow in wisdom and to understand what wisdom is. 
and how to achieve it in the pursuit of wisdom. In fact, all of Proverbs is really about growing in wisdom in the application of biblical principles. And this morning, my goal really is to encourage us all to uh, plant our roots deeply into the heart of God's word and to treasure it more. And that is wisdom. In these, uh, <clears throat> you'll notice in these five verses on your notes, uh, it's basically a long conditional clause. It starts out, you know, has uh, several if parts. Uh, it starts out in verse one, and verse two is kind of connected with that. It's also an if statement. Then verses three and four, and then the then part of the conditional statement is in verse five, and that is the result of obedience in this pursuit of wisdom. And I'll be focusing on the verbs. That's why I underlined them there, the action words in this passage because we're looking at the pursuit of wisdom. We are pursuing this. We are working at it. So verse 1 begins, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. So the action words are receive and treasure. So Solomon begins by reminding his son in his role as, as a father by imploring his son and the others around him there to receive his words, receive them, uh, this revelation from the living God, and to accept them. So this is the beginning of the process. We receive the word, we accept it, and we, we receive what is taught, we don't reject it. Now receive means you accept something from someone, uh, someone else, and it becomes yours, either temporarily or permanent, permanently. And in terms of receiving gifts, usually the giver doesn't expect them to be given back. And we are to keep what has been bestowed to us, the word of God, and to accept them permanently, of course, and in this case, not only to receive and to keep, but to treasure, to treasure, which is the next action word. So we've accepted. Now it says, treasure my commands within you. Now treasuring is uh, something, is a whole lot more than just accepting it or receiving it. You have a whole lot more involvement. You have a whole lot more desire and ownership when you treasure something. You received it, of course, and then you realized after you received it, this is incredible. The worth of what I just received is incredible. And so you received it, and uh, you, then you realize, realizing that, you hold on to it, and you fear losing it uh, or forgetting it. Uh, you look at it a lot, maybe. You know, whatever you treasure, you keep near you. And you talk about it all the time. You think about it all the time. And you hide it. In our case, you hide it in your heart, and you guard it. Those are things you do to something you treasure. And if you treasure something... You don't readily give it up. You, you see how wonderful and valuable it is, uh, so you cling to it. Uh, or you hide it, maybe, but uh, in, any, in any case, you protect it from being lost. And a wonderful treasure makes you want more, usually, and hopefully makes you realize how much you have. So you give some of that, you're willing to give some of that treasure to others. You have so much, and this is such a treasure, that you know you can't contain it. So you want to give it. And it's so much you... You know, how can you keep it all? The Lord Jesus said, of course, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And we have in the word of God what is beyond all treasure and all wealth. We have God's own words. We have God's own words in front of us here. How often do we think like that? His word was given to us uh, to keep and to treasure, of course, but it was also given to uh, give others so that they can treasure the word of God also. And we have a treasure in the word of God, I think, that we barely comprehend. And I think if we realize more what a treasure the word of God is, the, command, the commands of the living God, which are infallible, which are powerful, 
then we would do whatever it takes to get more. It's an infinite treasure. It never ends. And the more we get now, the more we will continue to enjoy it in heaven. And in sharing it, we lose nothing. We lose nothing. He, was, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Now, David, in Psalm 119, verse 162, and I'll be referring to a lot of verses from Psalm 119 uh, because it's a, a major chapter on the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 162 says, David said, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. That's the way, you know, David is looking at it as a treasure. Uh, this word is a treasure. And how grievous that it can ever become tiresome for us in any way. And that we don't see the treasure that it is on a daily basis. And that most of us really have had this treasure available to us every day of our life. Psalm 19, verse 10, David again said, More to be desired are they than gold. Yes, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. So he's thinking of two very valuable things, certainly gold and honey, which was joyful to taste. And then Job in Job 23, uh, Job felt the same way as David did. Job in, uh, said in chapter 23, verse 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So here's Job saying, I treasure his commands more than my necessary food. He could forget about food for some time anyway, but he could not depart from the word of God. And in a similar way, the Lord said in, in uh, John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And like him, I believe we should be saying, uh, my purpose, our purpose, is to know and to do the will of God. Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. He's weeping because in the, he was treated very cruelly by his own people for bringing the word of God to them, speaking the truth to his people. And he said, your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And may that be so for us. David said in Psalm 119, verse 131, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. So you can picture an animal that was running, similar to Psalm 42. This animal desperately needs water, and it's panting and uh, barely existing without what it needs. It needs water. And so David panted like a very tired and a thirsty animal for water with great desire to have his thirst satisfied, his thirst for the word of God. So how often, I should ask, do we, <clears throat> do you, hunger and thirst and pant for the word of God and treasure it in a way that makes it, uh, us, makes you want to always be near it. The Lord said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we may be able to physically live with some bread, but we cannot live in the spirit and grow in the spirit without every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is our life. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts, I believe, will naturally be, fixated, uh, naturally be fixated on what we treasure. You should treasure, of course, your spouse, your husband and wife. You should treasure your family. You should treasure this family. You should treasure um, your salvation in Christ, all of which you received by the good hand of God, like his word. And we really only know those blessed things are treasures because his word tells us that's what they are. We don't even know, I believe, what a true treasure is without the word of God. 
And we know our greatest treasure, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the word of God, by his word. In Colossians 2, it speaks of the Father and also the Son. And it says, in whom, so the Father and the Son, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They are in the Father and the Son. Matthew 13, verse 44, uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid for joy over it. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So the man, this man took everything he had. He was walking in the field, he found a treasure, and he thought, that treasure is what I want. And he, he, I believe, by, maybe by implication, he didn't really want the field. He wanted the treasure in it. Uh, so because of joy over this treasure, he sold all that he had, everything that he had, and he bought that field. Now, how would you feel if you found a treasure buried in a field? You know, by the way, parables usually have one point, one main point, and it's not wise to stretch the meaning here either beyond uh, what is meant. But, but this man knew a treasure when he saw it. He knew it. You know, he didn't stumble on it and say, walk past it. Or he, There's a treasure, and he realized, I want that so much, I'm going to sell everything I have and buy that field because the treasure is in it. Uh, so he did what was needed to get it. And we know that uh, also the disciples, they forsook all and followed Jesus, who is the true treasure of the kingdom. So how much will we give up to get more of the treasure of God's word? I think for most of us, probably it comes down to time. It comes down to time given to discipline ourselves to hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate on the word of God. Those are five ways you can get the word of God into your life. And uh, so if we treasure the word of God, and if, it, and if it comes down to time, we should think of those ways and how to get more of that treasure into our lives. In Proverbs 3, it says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the pro profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. So happy is the person who finds wisdom, like the man in the parable who found a treasure he would give his all for. And there is no comparison between anything else of value, anything else you may desire, with the treasure of the word of the kingdom, with the wisdom of God. <clears throat> I think it was uh, maybe several months ago, I, I saw a brief video, which I've seen a number of times, and I try to look at it every once in a while, and actually Pat Lane, maybe two or three weeks ago, shared that on Facebook also. And it's a group of people in China and they know these Bibles are coming. Uh, they didn't have their own Bible. Maybe they've never had maybe just one. I, I don't know the full situation. But they're obviously waiting uh, with hunger. And as soon as this box was open, I don't know how many of you saw that, but as soon as this box was open, it was kind of pandemonium, and they all received their Bibles, and they wept. They wept. That's all they could do. And I almost do every time I see that. And uh, I also saw that. It's on the International Christian Concern website if you haven't seen this. But I think if you had asked any of them at that point, or, or most any time probably, if there was anything else they desired more than the word of God, I, I think they would have said no if they could have said anything. They might have just shaken their head. And I believe our bre persecuted brethren know how desperately they need the word of God and what a treasure it is. And I'm humbled every time I see this little video and I grieve that I personally uh, don't see 
the preciousness of the word of God may be the same way they do. I, I do love the word, and I long to love it more and treasure it more. I take it for granted, and may the Lord forgive me and cause me and, and all of us to rejoice and give thanks for his wonderful and powerful word. I'd like to address specifically uh, the younger ones here for a minute, and I guess I should qualify that because most of you are younger than me. So I, what I mean is those who are still living at home, um, kids still living at home, you have received the word of God all your life. Most of you, you've received it, uh, you've accepted it, you've received it from your parents, you've heard it in this church, and you've been greatly blessed to grow up hearing the word of God. And I would ask you to pray that you would also treasure it for yourselves and that for each of you, the word of God would become the joy and the rejoicing of your heart, like it said in Jeremiah, that you would accept the responsibility and the calling that you have as children of the covenant of grace, children of God, to treasure it. It is your life, and may you each long for it with all your heart. In Deuteronomy 32, this is Moses speaking to uh, his people. He wasn't going to see them again. This is the last time he was speaking to them. And usually you say those things which you most want people to hear um, at that point in your life when you know you're not going to see them. And this is what he said, Deuteronomy 32, 46 and 47. Set your hearts on all the words which I testify among you today, which you shall command your children to be careful to observe all the words of this law. For it is not a futile thing for you, but it is your life. And other versions, used instead of futile, it says uh, it's not a vain thing for you. It's not a trifle for you. So the word of God is not futile, brothers and sisters. It's not vain. It's not a trifle part of our life. It is our life. And let's all of us ask the Lord to give us hearts which treasure his commands. Well, in verse 2, uh, then, it shows some of the indicators uh, that we do indeed want to receive the words of the Lord, and we do indeed treasure his commands within us. And verse 2 says, So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. So the two action words are incline your ear and apply your heart. So first, it says we should always incline our ear to hear when wisdom speaks. And you know what that, you know, inclining your ear means. I don't know if you remember, uh, there's an E.F. Hutton commercial a long time ago. Maybe E.F. Hutton, I don't even know if it, if it exists anymore, but it was a, an investment company. And uh, there's a commercial. And in this commercial, it's a party. And there's all these people milling about, talking in groups of two or three. And then it focuses on these two men. And this one man uh, asked the other man, uh, he's, they're talking about investments. Well, how do you invest? And this man said, well, E.F. Hutton's my advisor, and E.F. Hutton says, and then it goes completely quiet. Everybody in the room stops talking, and they incline their ear. The whole room leans over to hear what that guy, what advice he's going to give that guy. And to me, that was an interesting picture uh, of, you know, everybody wanting to know what that man's going to say. And to incline your ear, or some versions uh, say turn your ear, is an expression which means you do whatever it takes to hear what you want to hear. You strain to hear it because you long for that. You take steps to get your ear so that it can hear, and you want to learn what the Lord says. You pay close attention to learn and grow in wisdom. And, and this expression, incline your ear, is, uh, as far as I could see, uh, very often connected in Scripture with application or applying your heart. You didn't just hear it. 
and say, great, I heard it, and then go off. You hear it for the intention of application. In Scripture, it's very often connected. In Psalm 119, verse 112, it says, I have inclined, David said, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. So he was inclining his ear not just to gain knowledge, but he wanted to apply the word of God. And this, this verse came to my mind because as a young believer, um, in the Navigators, I went to a training program and they were talking about being a man of the word. I wanted to be a man of the word. And we came to this part and some, some of those, uh, we went off and prayed. And I think if I, I don't, don't know if I understood what a vow was at that point, but I believe at that point in my life, I bowed before God and I said, God, I want to be a man of God. I, I know that your word is my life. And essentially, I made a vow. And if you're not sure what vows are or oaths are, you can look at chapter 22 of the Westminster Confession. We don't have time to look at that. But in Psalm 119, verse 36, David asked the Lord's help in this. And I did the same at that point. Incline my heart. This is a prayer, essentially. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. So I want the inclination of my heart not to be for selfish gain. I want it to be inclined to the word of God, always, in all situations. And the answer to this prayer, I believe, will always be that we will be led by the Spirit to go to the word and listen to what the Lord is saying. David was asking God here to give him a heart which was inclined to listen to the word of God and obey it. And we also must pray that he would give us hearts to incline our ears to his word, always which we will then apply. Have you asked the Lord lately to give you a heart to listen to his word? You must listen to his word, incline your ear if you intend to apply it, and thus please the Lord. We understand the word of God and have power to apply it by the leading and the power of his Holy Spirit. So let's boldly ask through the Spirit, ask the Lord to make us children who will listen and obey to give us hearts for his word. Have you asked him that lately? And just as it's our privilege as children of the living God to ask for this, it's also our responsibility to take action by the faith that he gives. And this is part of what it means to apply our heart to understanding. I'd like to suggest a way to do this, just as a possible application. If you would, turn with me to Psalm 119. Pretty much open right in the middle. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is organized by, uh, with 22 eight-verse sections with uh, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet at the beginning. You may have panicked thinking that I'm going to read this whole thing. I'm, I'm not going to do that. If you would, would look at verses 97 through uh, 104, just as an example. And before I just share a little bit of how I went about uh, this, I'd like to say... Um, at about the same time I mentioned this vow, essentially, that I made, this desire, I, I prayed to God. Um, I asked that, um, I, I went to Psalm 119, and I took 22 days. And so each morning in my quiet time, I read and prayed through one of these eight verse sections. 22 days, not very long. And basically I was asking the Lord to give me a deeper love for his word to make me a man who longs for his word above all things, and thus for him, to long for him with all my heart. And so every time I've done this, I've, I've probably, I don't know, done this four or five times in my life. I've done it with other people also. 
um, and uh, it was very encouraging to uh, go through this with a, uh, another man. Uh, but he has blessed me by his grace each time I've done this. He's turned my heart to him. He's given me a deeper love for his word. And brothers and sisters, how will he not also with Jesus freely give us all things, freely give us what he knows we need? And each time uh, I've done this, he's taken my mustard seed faith, and he's given me a much greater desire in and a hunger for uh, and a thankfulness for his precious word. So what I would do is I'd just go like in verse 97. Uh, if there's two of us, uh, we would just each read one and pray a little bit about that, and then the next person would do that. If I'm by myself, oh, how I love your law, is my meditation all the day. And if I, if I can, I would speak uh, out loud, verbally. And then I would pray, as, the, as God led, uh, that I would love his law, that, that a day wouldn't go by that I wouldn't think like this, that it would be the meditation uh, of my heart. And I would meditate it all, all, all day. And one thing I remember, remember I used to do, I used to uh, uh, make it so my watch, uh, I didn't have a phone, I didn't even have a computer back then, but uh, that it would remind me throughout the day and that on every hour then I would meditate, maybe on this verse. But it would bring to mind throughout the day that same verse. And you know how in a busy day, you can, the whole day is gone and you, you told yourself in the morning, I'm going to meditate on that, but the whole day goes by and you didn't meditate on that. And so then I would go through, you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. So I praise him for the wisdom that he gives me. I, th I even pray for my enemies. Um, and then I have more understanding than all my teachers. Well, that was something I prayed. And I, this is when I was at the university. And so I would see my teacher up there and that would remind me, hmm, I have more understanding than that man who doesn't believe in God. And um, so I would go through, I would meditate through this. And it was a great blessing. And Maybe you can commit to doing this with another person or your spouse or your family and family devotions. And you can do it even with the younger ones. And they can read a verse. They can pray whatever God lays on their heart. And you can go around and do that. And so for one month anyway, basically one month, you are focused on asking God to make you a person who, who loves the word of God deeply. And I, I'm convinced it, will, it could change your life because God uses his word to conform you to his image. And crying out like that, and, and together uh, with fasting, uh, that the Lord would give you a great love for his word, and thus for him, that humbles us, and it honors the Lord. And you are certainly praying according to his will to pray something like this. He wants you to pray accordingly. In verse 3, it says, Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. So the action words are cry out and lift up. Now the yes here is really for reinforcement of what was just said. It's like saying amen to what was just said and then clarifying it even more. Uh, this is an if statement, but it is the continuing of the so that actions from verse 2. Because, because you did receive the word of God, you accepted it uh, from the inspired speaker, and, then, and now you treasure the Lord's commands. So we have gone from uh, receiving and treasuring, uh, which show your desire for wisdom, then to further actions which help you to attain wisdom and, and grow in the desire for it, and now uh, inclining and applying, and now to crying out and lifting up your voice. So if you cry out for discernment and lift your voice for understanding, notice, uh, maybe you've noticed, that the action words have an increasing intensity here as we go along. Uh, crying out means you're eager to grow in wisdom enough to make it known and probably more than just once. You steadily cry out, or you lift up your voice. And it's not like you're just saying in a small voice, can I have a little more? And, you know, not like that. It's not like Oliver Twist, in, you know, the Dickens character who was hungry, and went up to the master of the orphanage, 
And he said, please, sir, can I have a little more? Not like that, I think. No, you're insistent. You can be bold. You can cry out. You can ask the living God that he would make you a person of his word. The Lord told a parable in Luke 18 to emphasize that we should always pray and not lose heart in praying and pray continuously. The unjust judge uh, gave in to this woman, not because he felt her claim was just, but because he was worn out, because she was a continual, she's continually asking. But brothers and sisters, our God is not so. Our God hears every cry of his children and will answer as a perfect and a loving father would. If you are not growing in discernment and knowledge, have you been crying out for it? Have you verbally cried out in faith to the Lord who loves you with an everlasting love? for an increase in, his, in wisdom and for a love for his word. Psalm 119, verse 169 says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. So that was his cry. Give me understanding according to your word. You're crying out to the one who wants you to cry out to him and who can fully answer that request. And this is a fervent way of doing it, a fervent expression that you trust him to hear you and to act. And there is an, also an aspect Uh, of this crying out, brothers and sisters, and lifting up your voice that relates to asking each other. Someone who can help you to grow in wisdom and grow in your love for the word. Someone in this room, possibly, probably. Have you asked someone recently to help you grow in discernment and understanding of the word of God? Have you asked your elders? Have you asked your parents, your spouse, uh, close friends? If you haven't, what's stopping you from doing that? Is it busyness? Is it pride? Those aren't adequate reasons to withhold asking of the Lord and of those he gives who can help what he wants you to ask and which he can supply according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Well, the final actions in this passage anyway in Proverbs uh, in our pursuit of wisdom that you take because you treasure the commands of the Lord is verse 4 says, If you seek her, that is wisdom and understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. So first you seek the wisdom of the Lord like silver. And one commentary said, said it this way. I thought this was very, uh, a good way to picture it. You search for it like a prospector panning for gold, like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Do we come to the word of God with that hunger, desire, joy even? You know, you're on a treasure hunt. In the scriptures, silver and gold are often referred to as the most valuable means of exchange or of storing wealth. And it still is, of course, a valuable commodity today. Highly refined silver was sought back then and now by those who could buy it as a means of preserving wealth and as a trustworthy medium of exchange. In society then, it was recognized by everyone for its value. and, And so people would seek to acquire it, of course, and to store it up. They would, they would want to store it up. Are you storing up the word of God? Psalm 119, verse 11. We're going to be singing this in just a few minutes. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some versions say your word I have treasured in my heart. Same thing as hidden. R.C. Sproul Sr. said the word of God can be in the mind without being in the heart. But it cannot be in the heart without first being in the mind. So you have to get it in there. And that's why I said, hear, read, study, memorize, and meditate on the Word of God. Those are disciplines we need to practice to hide it in our hearts. 
Now, many of the articles of the tabernacle uh, and the temple were made of silver because it was pure. It was beautiful, very beautiful. And, and on an earthly level, it was one of the most valuable commodities. And so it was also given as an offering to the Lord. Psalm 12, verse 6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Purified seven times. So it was very pure. Uh, so the dross, they, they heated it up, they skimmed off the dross. It was done seven times. It was considered extremely pure, silver. And brothers and sisters in Christ, the word of God is perfectly pure. Psalm 119, verse 140 says, Your word, David said, Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. David loved the word of God because it was pure. If you wonder, what is pure? What is purity? Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Psalm 119, verse 72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. No comparison. Proverbs 3, I read it earlier, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her, that is, wisdom's proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you desire cannot compare with her. So the wisdom of God, this wisdom in his word, is far more precious than all the things we desire. Everything we desire put together is no comparison to finding the Lord's wisdom in his precious word. Proverbs 16:16 16, 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. So we're to seek wisdom like silver, but wisdom from God is much more valuable than silver. There's no comparison. So silver, one of the most valuable items on earth, is nothing compared to getting more of the wisdom of God in the Word of God. We are to acquire it whenever we can and to be looking for chances to get it. And in the commodities market, you know, when the price of silver is advantageous, you buy more because you're always seeking to do so. This is a good time, by the way. And so we can and we should pray almost always. Anytime we open the Word of God, we should pray uh, that He would lead us. Uh, as Rodney was sharing, uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us understand the Word of God. But open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I think we should pray that maybe all, every, well, I do pray that most Sunday that I am praying. Uh, we should really pray like that anytime we open the Word. Now, in the U.S. and in this church, we have extreme freedom now to grow in wisdom through the Word of God. We have means to learn about the Word of God and freedom to do so. And we have advantages that few in history have had to receive the word and to learn it. And by the grace of God, the results of these actions, these action words uh, uh, of this pursuit, yield more fruit than you can fathom. So what efforts could you possibly expend which would yield more treasure, more lasting treasure, more valuable treasure than those taken by faith to get the wisdom from above in the word of God? And all these action words apply also, by the way, to our seeking the Lord Jesus. They're the same, essentially. These same action words you could apply to seeking the Lord Jesus. So if you receive the words of the Lord, you accept them. If you treasure them, if you incline your ear to the wisdom of the word, and if you apply your heart to understanding, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for wisdom like silver, and you search for it as for hidden treasures, then the result will be 
by the grace of God, verse five, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And this is what Cherry and I really desired that our schooling would produce. Uh, they would gain wisdom, but the, the wisdom that then they will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That is the result of our education, not that they can do all their math and they can write good things. Yes, we want them to do that, but um, this was the desire of our hearts in our education. So all your effort, all the actions you take and all the time you spend and all the work you do to get wisdom results, first of all, in a fuller understanding of the fear of the Lord. You will begin to grasp even more how awesome our God is and uh, that wisdom is actually to fear him. Matthew Henry said, those who earnestly seek heavenly wisdom will never complain that they have lost their labor or that their labor was in vain. So those who earnestly seek heavenly wisdom will never complain that they have lost their labor and the freeness of the gift that was given to us, the freeness of the gift does not do away with the necessity of our diligence. So it's a free gift and we are to be diligent in pursuing it. It's a pursuit. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, they are so connected uh, that if we grow in wisdom, it means also that we are growing in the fear of God. If we are weak in understanding the fear of God, uh, we are lacking in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. A person who says there is no God and does not fear him is rightly called a fool. Foolishness and wisdom are opposites, and to grow in wisdom is to decrease in foolishness. And to grow in the fear of the Lord in awe of his holiness and power is to grow in wisdom. So you know you are growing in wisdom when you desire the Lord and his word. And you are in awe of both of them. And you know you need to cry out for wisdom if you do not have that desire for him and for his word. The Lord Jesus is wisdom from God. He is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, but of him, that is God, you who are in Christ Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. So the Lord Jesus is the source of wisdom because he is wisdom. And the, his word is given to make us wise unto salvation, first of all, and then to make us wise in a, in a mature walk with him. And finally, if you are active in pursuing the riches of wisdom, you will find the knowledge of God. And that is a true treasure. The knowledge of God, who is unsearchable without his grace, and whom we will be seeking for eternity. The doxology in Romans 11 says this beautifully. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And what a joy to expend your life and all the energy that God gives you in the pursuit of the wisdom of God, which is to know the Lord and to grow in the depth of riches we have in Christ and which we know through his word. In verse 6 here in Proverbs 2, it tells us, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In uh, James 1.5, uh, I believe you all know this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if the Lord, brothers and sisters, if the Lord wants to give us wisdom, if he wants you to ask and wants to give wisdom liberally and without reproach, we should not hesitate to ask 
and seek and knock. If you then, being evil or being a sinner, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Are you asking? If you actively pursue wisdom by his grace and according to his word, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And that is wisdom. And it's worth pursuing with all that is in you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us and your grace lavished on us, your grace in giving us your precious word and for sending the Lord Jesus, who is our wisdom. And oh, that we would love you and fear you and delight in your word. And we praise you for the Holy Spirit who enables us to understand and apply your living word. Lord, give us hearts to become lovers of your word, to treasure your wisdom, that we might understand the fear of the Lord and find more of the knowledge of you. For we ask this according to your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.